Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode. First, um, we have a special guest. Hi, Miriam. How are you doing today? Good. How are y'all? You are doing alive. Yeah. <laughs> we and I came back from the beach. We watched a little sun- sunrise moment. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about the death penalty. This has been debated for literally, I don't even know how long. It's very highly controversial. So we're going to be addressing both sides of the argument, and we're going to get Miriam's perspective on this as well. Yes, we invited Miriam because she's very philosophical, and she's very good <laughs> with like political science stuff. I'm not the best at political science type stuff, but I thought that Miriam's input is always very interesting to hear, especially in things like this. So Miriam, we are so excited to hear what you have to say, but yeah, definitely going to be more of a philosophical argument. Like, what are the pros for? What are the, like, against, like, economic-wise, but also, you know, all the different perspectives we're going to try and get at today. So I'm excited. Well, let me just start by saying that we we this conversation is mostly sparked right now because of the death of Brandon Bernard and how um, he had to face the death penalty at the hands of our federal government for a crime that he committed almost like 18 years ago, I think it was, or 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it sparks a very, eth- like a debate about like the ethics of the death penalty and like w- the logistics of it too, like analytically, is it a good thing to have like why is the united states one of the only developed countries that still has the death penalty and stuff like that like how are we justifying it and so yeah so do we have any initial thoughts does it like what are our initial ideas about the death penalty for me like the death penalty has been like a hot topic in like the political world and like i've sort of been on both ends of the spectrum where i've been for it and against it but like after doing more research i personally have come to believe that the death penalty is not only unethical but it's ineffective in general as like a a ploy of our justice system to enact justice i don't believe like it's something that truly works or is even worth having and like i could go into that later as well but at the moment i'm not a fan of the death penalty per se i have to agree with miriam i feel like um yeah i've been on both ends of the spectrum like you know people who do evil great evil should be punished with death but really like when you get into the thick of it it really doesn't do as much as you think it would which we're going to talk about later that's really broad of me to say but yeah yeah i definitely agree with you guys i have definitely really had to grapple with this like is it even moral or is it even like is there any good what is the good what is the bad and we're gonna get into all that but definitely right now at this point in my life i am leaning more towards the against the death penalty and we'll get into it so the first question that i want to bring up is is it the government's job to take people's lives is that something that we like when we sign this social contract are we saying like hey you're allowed to take my life see in my opinion no because if you think about in the social contract Basically, it would be the government's job to take our lives if the government was theoretically perfect, if there were no corrupt people and no flaws. And if we all 100% agreed with what the government did, then I would say, yes, it is okay for them to take our lives. But because there's so much corruption, there's so many radical ideas in our government, there's things that um, us as Americans don't 100% believe in, or I haven't believed in a lot of things the government has passed. So in my opinion, no, it's not because the government is an accurate representation of the people right now. I have to go off what Trisha said as well, like this idea of the social contract, the reason we have a social contract is to have the protection of our happiness, 
business lives our property and in theory like if Trisha said like if the government wasn't corrupt if we had a perfect government then yes we can consider like if it's for the protection of the greater good of the people to take the life of this person then it is justified but again the government is corrupt the system that we use the justice system is flawed in and of itself so the system we have the system we have in place right now has no right or no jurisdiction to take away the life of another in my opinion i have to agree and mostly for the reason that the justice system is so infamously flawed in the united states and how it is so full of bias and so full of corruption especially this justice system that we have right now i think that because of that reason it is it is wrong to give such a flawed system so much power i think especially when it is so frequently making the wrong decisions which we'll get into like acts like accidents like accidentally um putting down capital punishment like we'll get into that but i'm definitely with you guys on that so then we'll take it from another perspective like the eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind is that something that you think would apply in the case of capital punishment like because like for example this person killed for example like 10 other people is that is it reasonable for the government to take that person's life like can that eye for an eye logic be applied there I actually was thinking about this when you told me you were talking about the, the death penalty and I was like the eye for the eye mentality is something that has really perpetuated itself into our society. That the only way to enact justice is to get even. And that would be like per se most death row inmates are on death row for killing someone. Right. And so you would think in your mind, yes, to get even, killing that person is what will make that like will justify the crime. Like the like the punishment will be like enacted in a way that is justifiable and in my opinion i don't think that works either because if you look at the people on death row a good amount of time the crimes aren't premeditated you know people do these things in the heat of the moment and like in a way where they are blind with like rage or passion or so on and so forth and if it is premeditated they usually do with the attempt of escaping punishment so they're not worried about being killed. They're not thinking about being killed. And like I feel killing this person does not allow them to truly have the punishment they deserve. It's like an escape almost. Yeah. You know? And they're not being like um suppressed under the justice system or under like the great gavel of justice, but instead they're escaping. Because usually a lot of people, if it is premeditated, have no remorse. Yeah. And so you're killing someone with no remorse. Are you really enacting justice for the person who was murdered? Because that person does not care. They, sometimes a lot of them, like, I just want to die. I want to get it over with. Yeah. You know, there's no regret that is spurred by the death penalty. And so the eye for the eye mentality, while perpetuating negativity and this idea that um, killing someone is a better option than rehabilitation, while also coinciding with the fact that most people are not deterred by the death penalty and it's not like a true form of enacting justice, I think like it doesn't apply here because it's sort of ineffective to apply you know yeah i was kind of on the fence about this one i'm not sure where i stand for this eye for an eye thing because it depends it truly depends on the situation but i get what miriam's saying if you're talking about death um like first degree or second degree murder does it really like is the best possible punishment just killing someone because as you said like wouldn't it really be a more effective punishment to like draw their life in jail like make them really think about what they did like i feel like that to me is just a better punishment but bringing that up, moral consequences, can people change? Yeah, I mean, that is a good question. Like, I know for me personally, if you were going to give me the option of, like, the next 80 years spent behind bars and a lethal injection, 
I'm going lethal injection all the way. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just what I would be choosing because that sounds horrendous. Like, I don't want to, like, I already live in Groundhog's Day, but I wouldn't want to live in that kind of, like, even more of a Groundhog's Day, like, behind bars and, like, living in those awful conditions, obviously. So, like, I do agree that in many cases it can be seen almost as an escape. And especially for people who are legitimately, like, sick in the head, like death isn't like is something that they so easily sent other people off to you know what I mean that it wouldn't be that much of a punishment for them and yeah that the the thing is that I do believe that being in jail for life or something could be a worse punishment than the death penalty at that point you might just be like just kill me already you know what I mean so yeah yeah and then again like going back to these moral consequences like the question of like can these people change had we not like committed this capital punishment or had we not um legally murdered this person with the death penalty could they have changed could they have um turned around and made a positive impact on someone's life like that is another argument that we often hear against the death penalty what do you guys think of that i think this is exemplified in uh, the bernard case like he was a reformed man and he generally was sorry for the actions he committed when he was 18 and he seemed to be becoming a good like citizen of society you know but yet he was still unjustly punished and so it shows that the death penalty is not effective in punishing those who have no remorse and saving those who do you know yeah essentially is increasingly unfair which for like many other reasons that we can go into later on if you want but i believe that like overall it's just like you said like I I feel like we people can change and we have seen that but we have seen those people who want to change be put to death unjustly and I feel that's why overall the death penalty should be abolished because it is not an effective system as we could see in recent events you know Mm -hmm. I have to agree but I'm also someone that like I kind of agree with the Hobbesian is that how you say it Hobbesian 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 Habesian? That's what I always said. I always said Habesian. <laughs> I agree with what Thomas Hobbes says. Like, I just kind of, like, fall into his um, idea of human nature and how we're all just, like, inherently, like, I don't like to say bad, but I do, but, like, I just don't like giving people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to capital punishment or, like, actions committed. I just automatically like to, I, I know this is kind of bad, but I assume that, like, you know, if you have the capacity to do it once, you can definitely do it again. But also, it depends on age. Like, if you're 18 and you commit a capital punishment, and then you're 50 being put on death row, yeah, that's a problem, you know? But, like, people that are, like, I mean, everyone has a capacity to change, but for me, I just don't. I don't like to believe that someone who killed someone in the first place can be so, like, remorsed about it. Mm -hmm. Fair. Okay, well, my take on this is it's kind of more linked to the failures of the justice system. My question is, how can a man that he didn't even kill this person, he was an accomplice in a murder, in a gang murder, when he was 18, how can he be put on death row when that that guy, Nicholas, who committed the the shooting down in Parkland, he is literally, like, if you've seen I'm not a psychologist, but he, that man is insane, like, smiling at his court hearing, and, like, if you've seen the videos of him in his prison, like, the way that he, like, like commits these very erratic behaviors like how is that man not on death row that's my question like it's if we're going to justify that use of the justice system against this man that killed committed a crime an accomplice in a murder he didn't even kill that person which like isn't much better but this man is crying and apologizing like of course could be a lie but the family did um 
say in a public statement that they did um, forgive him for his actions. He's clearly shown remorse. He's clearly not like a a continued offender to society. Like he's he has his family. He's like doing his job, whatever. He's he's reintegrated himself back into society versus this man who's um, killed like high schoolers and is still in jail, just committing all these erratic behaviors, and he's not facing that same consequence where is the line drawn and why is it so subjective like i think that the whole question of can someone change like sure it should be assessed by like a psychologist or someone that like an expert in the field but it's also kind of evident that the justice system doesn't really care almost if that person can change or not because of the ingrained biases of the system exactly i feel like us as humans we have so much bias in our systems like putting someone to death like i don't care who you are i feel like everyone's gonna have some sort of bias so like who are we to say okay this person deserves to die like i just don't know how that's justifiable because there's always something about humans that are it's going to lead to a decision that's not fully objectively made we as humans just can't do that I agree. And I feel with the bias thing, we have to realize like bias is taught, not something inherent. Mm-hmm. You know, you are not born hating people for their race or their ethnicity or their religious beliefs. You are taught that by either your parents, your environment, you know, the news, different things. And I feel the um the bias we see in the justice system is a bias that is perpetuated throughout American society, throughout the American government, not just the justice, like not just the, not just the judicial branch, but the executive and legislative branch. Mm-hmm. And I think we can, talking about Bernard's case, we can focus it on the idea of racism in the judicial system and how despite like the black population only like con- making up si- like 13% of the American population and the white population being 60, around 43% of like um, past uh, like death penalty cases have been black Americans. Mm-hmm. And usually you're more likely to be sentenced uh, to the, the, the death penalty if it is a white victim rather than if it's a black victim. Right. And like people of color, specifically black people are more likely to be sentenced to the death penalty. That's just a fact of our justice system. Yeah. And that's why it's inherently corrupt. Like how we said, like if the Parkland shooter, we know he's white. He killed 17 young, beautiful souls, showed enormous remorse, but the death penalty was never brought up. But this man who was an accomplice in a gang murder when he was 18, couldn't really justify his actions, was put to death. And we can tell it's because of their race. And so many cases in the past have been based on race. And it is so, like the proportions are so disappoint, like proportionate. That it's so inherently flawed that we can't keep the system alive, you know, in my opinion, because of how flawed and biased it is, which is like a top bias, but it still is a present bias, you know. Absolutely. And I think that it does definitely correlate also with like um, how much skill like their attorneys might have can completely change the course of their lives and whether or not there is even is a course anymore or like the biases of the judge that's overhearing the case. Like there's so many loopholes in the system and places where the system inevitably fails. I think in that kind of system that is not rigid and is not you know, consistent in its in its decisions, we can't allow it the power to take people's and lives. Also, like- Talking about the death penalty, there's no evident public safety benefit. Like, like it's not a big deterrent, I would say. I read that 88% of criminologists said it's, like, it's not a deterrent, that it's not worth having, that it does not 
change any like the crime factors and like states without the death penalty have lower rates of crime than states exactly. that do like mm-hmm. even if these are just oh. things we believe like looking at researchers and actually people who are good at their fields and do what they should be doing like like you said about the criminologists like if they're if what they're saying is like evidently true then like why just kill someone like no exactly it's not deterrent it doesn't seem to have like a overall benefit in any way you know like again the idea of the like sacredness of life is something subjected to each person based on their social and religious values but if we just look at plain facts scientific fact like statistics it is not a deterrent it's not changing anything in society and i feel again this is where our prison system and our justice system is flawed is it does not focus on rehabilitation which is why american crime is so high it is not focused on targeting the communities that are so affected by crime like i personally believe crime comes out of necessity it comes yes, out of poverty. absolutely correct it, like why would people commit a crime when there's so much at stake for them to lose i mean yeah some people are inherently but- sickos and they like to do it but mo- yeah i agree with you most crime does come out of necessity and so it's just on that fact as well, like, I feel why I'm so against the death penalty is that it diverts so many resources away from actually fixing Like social workers. Exactly. Social workers just funding. The death penalty cases are so much more expensive. Oh, Florida, <laughs> enforcing the death penalty costs $51 million a year, more than it would be to give all first degree murderers life in prison without parole. Like $51 million. Yeah. The, like, it up because I was reading about a bunch of different states like 51 million could be used in so many different ways to make our society better but it's not and I think we can look back on it and see how it's because of those racial biases Mm -hmm. as well they're not feeling the need to want to fix this because of the racial biases and like the classism as well it's all like convoluted together to make such a flawed and corrupt system that it cannot stand in the way that it is like the death penalty in of itself can be debated on whether it's good or bad but the death penalty in america with the system we have is inherently bad and in my I opinion distinction I make in america it also is important to notice that like the other developed countries that are at the level like not at the level but near the level of the united states in terms of like power or developedness mm-hmm. i guess development index they they don't have the death penalty let me quote something from Born a Crime by Trevor Noah because he said this and I think it's really important. And I think that something that I want to argue is that the case of the death penalty and the issue with the death penalty in America as it relates to the justice system is also very related to issues of Black Lives Matter and like defunding the police and stuff. But this this quote said, the hood made me realize that crime succeeds because crime does one thing that the government doesn't do. Crime cares. Crime is grassroots. Crime looks for the young kids who need support and a lifting hand. Crime offers internship programs and summer jobs and opportunities for advancement. Crime gets involved in the community and crime doesn't discriminate. So I just think it's so powerful because like it's so true. Everything that the that crime does for a lot of children who are kind of ignored or like just people in general that are ignored by their government and not given the resources and not given justice in this country turn to crime as the the obvious thing that will take care of them and i think that calling these people like bad by nature or using racism to justify their actions or to blame them for their actions is a flawed is flawed because you're 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 ignoring them as a part of society and ignoring their education and ignoring their development so they turn to crime you know 
Exactly. I feel like crime is the fault of the um, nation or the government you live under. That Japan, they had the death penalty, as Trisha said, but their government probably like is more adherent to the needs of the people. Yeah, Unlike our government, especially because again, classism and racism go hand in hand, and we see that the most like impoverished people are usually minorities, and the most people on death row usually minorities. Everything works against the minority because of the basis of which the government was built. Yeah, and I have another That's- statistic for you. Ooh, you pull- you're coming up with all the statistics. Yeah, fact right. argument, you know, since 1943, exactly. over 156 people have been released from death row in 26 states because of innocence. Nationally, at least every one person is exonerated for every 10 that are executed. So going back to this idea of like, you might be killing an innocent person because guess what? 156 people have been innocent. Imagine how many people have died innocent. Like, I, I just don't, it's scary. But... We thoroughly discussed against the death, penal- death penalty, but it wouldn't be an argument if you didn't discuss for the death penalty. You know, we're trying to keep it a little equal, a little balanced. So first thing is economics. It's what the basis of our country runs on is what our president uses to justify all of his actions. <laughs> so based on economics, <laughs> think about it. The lethal injection is just $83 per dose. So really, it doesn't take that much money to put someone down. Um, versus keeping them alive for all of those years. Because I read somewhere that it was like $56,000 per inmate or something. So mm-hmm. economics-wise, the death penalty really is efficient. Per okay. year, by the way, $56,000 well, per inmate. Minimum wage, minimum wage workers don't even make that much a year. No. Teachers oh don't my god, teachers don't. Well, let's not start on teachers. I could rant about that. They are so Me too. <laughs> but anyway, again, the flaws of the American government, we're seeing it come into fruition here. So, And yep. taxpayer money doesn't get, like, we're using the money from our taxes to not keep these murderers, rapists, arsonists, whatever capital punishment really is. We're not using that money to keep them alive. You know, like, we're going to be using it, we could be using it for better things because, what was it, 51 million no, it was like I can't remember. I mean, do you remember the 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 statistic for like how much money it was for a case? It was well, I know the death penalty cases themselves can cost millions of dollars each, like about three million. Average, yeah, that's I what I remember, like two point one eight or something million dollars, by the way. But in some cases, it's like a sense of like closure and vindication, you know. Um, I personally never had family that have been like heinously murdered, so I can't actually argue for this point. But I guess in a sense, I could see why the death penalty would make sense to some. It offers um, an idea of like closure and vacation that the person who wronged their family member or loved one is now dead. Like the eye for an eye mentality. It works for some people, you know? I mean, I definitely do think that it's on a case-by-case basis. Like, it depends on what you believe as to whether or not you would feel better that the person that killed someone that you love is also killed even if it wasn't like completely on purpose i guess i don't think i don't think anyone's gonna sit here i mean this wasn't under the death penalty but i don't think anyone's gonna sit here and start crying over Bin laden dying you know what i mean like the people like that some some people i guess i understand how it could be seen as justified for them to to die essentially but at whose hands i think is the biggest question at the hands of who and under what justice i guess there's also a religious aspect to this i mean nothing in my religion really has anything for against the death penalty i mean we do believe in ahimsa which is non-violence so this whole 
argument itself is out of the question, but Thomas Aquinas, um, right. who was a religious philosopher, believed in rehabilitation that um, if if there's a date set for your death penalty, the person who's said to die, he would, um, you know, like really give into his spiritual being. And this is all hypothetical, you know, like not everyone's going to be like, yeah, God, save my soul. Because obviously, like as Miriam said before, like they're premeditated. Like if you want to kill someone, I don't think you're thinking about God in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like coming from a religion, because I'm Orthodox Christian, uh, people in the Christian community, which is a large community of many, many factions, I can only truly speak based on my experience as an Orthodox Christian, they have different views. A lot of people really emphasize the sacredness of life from conception to death, and that's a big thing for many religions as well. And I feel, but what is greater than that to us is from St. Thomas Aquinas, the rehabilitation, the notion of repentance. That's a big, big thing that you can always have remorse and be genuinely sorry for what you have done. And that's what we aim for in life. You know, that we try to live good lives. And if we mess up, we become genuinely sorry. And I don't think, like, because, like, we talked about how the death penalty was a deterrent. And how that could be a for argument for the death penalty. However, it never has shown itself to be a deterrent. It never has really made anyone truly remorseful who wouldn't have been remorseful without the death penalty. You know, I feel like in death penalty cases, no one builds remorse because they're going to be put to death. They build remorse because of the person they are. You know, yeah. and I feel like, let's say Brendan Bernard, if he wasn't on death row, I still believe he could have been remorseful. You know, I can't he is, yeah. into the mind of a person, but I feel like the death penalty itself is not a stimulant for remorse or rehabilitation at all. I mean, you know, correct. And. I mean, yeah. yeah, but, like, truly, there's no way to prove if it is or isn't, you know? So I guess it's just something we have to take into assumption while arguing for and against the death penalty. I just wanted to make the note that, like, a lot of this just comes down to the way that we funnel, we tend to funnel um, low-income or people of color into the crime system or the criminal system in America. The way that we handle cases, like, how often we send police officers as opposed to social workers or um send police officers as opposed to increasing education funding things like that we we facilitate the funneling of people into crime in america which leads us to be more likely to use the death penalty in these kinds of cases and to fuel the bias that that takes over the death penalty so often that that and you know what I mean? We like, talked about that that's... in an earlier episode about defunding the police where this conversation came up before. Like, if our social system was just better in general, and if we use social workers instead of advocating use of force 24-7 or using violence to be the main reason we make change, like, I really feel like we could make a difference in the justice system. I feel like in that point of view, like, I agree and disagree with you, Trisha, because as a, like, a person myself, I'm very much of the notion that, like, I'd rather not perpetuate a cycle of negativity and violence into society, which is my main reason for the death penalty, like, being against the death penalty, but also I feel like unless our, like, our government undergoes a radical change with some kind of force, we're not going to see much change with the people who are in power still being in power. You know, mm -hmm. so like, can the use of violence be justified for different things to not change? That's like another conversation people can have. You know, I feel that's sort of like what the death penalty is all about. Like, can the use of violence like be justified if it's for this purpose? You know, yeah. And so like, you can go either way, but like, I feel 
I don't know. I'm torn. It's so hard to decide like what you believe when you're 17 years old. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like we don't know that like how everything works. We don't know like how the like fully how the justice system works. But from my knowledge, I just feel like yes, violence can be justified. But also as a person, I don't think the world would be a better place with more violence being put into it. You know. Well, thank you so much, Miriam, for coming and talking to us with your amazing expertise on the subject. Thank you <laughs> but, for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram at First Gen Failures. Remember that we drop an episode every every Friday, right? Every Friday at six o'clock in the morning, six a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Friday. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you did enjoy this, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts. That would be fantastic. We would really appreciate it. But other than that, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. So bye.